welcome to SRI Illusions. This is the third and final part of our Every Ride at Disneyland ranked coverage. I want to thank everybody who's stuck with us thus far, especially if you've listened to all of these in one sitting. Congrats. That's uh, You could have watched Gone with the Wind or the uh, extended, any one of the extended Lord of the Rings you, you chose to listen with us, and we will be forever grateful. This will be the top ten. The top ten that we've ranked, and uh, we're super excited to have you here for this momentous occasion. And without further ado, let's get back to the coverage. And coming in at number ten, we have another controversial ranking on our list. There are people who... Claim this ride is the worst in the park, which is nonsense. And they're probably just salty because it replaced a classic... I don't even want to call it ride. It replaced a classic attraction. We are, of course, talking about the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, which, uh, if you know me from Twitter or pretty much anything, I, I... if you know me from Twitter, you know that I love Winnie the Pooh. He's one of my favorite characters. I love that silly old bear. I love pretty much everything about him. I love the Disney adaptation. It really created a very serene hundred acre wood. He's one of he's one of literature's greatest philosophers. A. A. Milne's version of the character really does uh, have a calming presence. He's a tranquil uh, he's a tranquil mind, and he's a he's a wise bear. And the chance to go on a little ride in a honeypot through the Hundred Acre Wood, I think is really one of the best experiences that Disneyland has to offer. It's, it, gives a, uh, it gives a great look at the uh, Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh movie from 1977, which was a collection of shorts from, uh, from the book. And uh, it's definitely, it's one of a, it's one of the rides that we've tend, it's one of the rides that we tend to ride the most because we go there in the, uh, it's usually, if you're wondering what our typical Disney day looks like, we usually start in the Magic Kingdom, but we fast pass uh, Radiator Springs for the Cars rides. We spend, we we tend to stay in the, uh, in Disneyland until right around the time that that's active, because then we can use the Fast Pass for Mission Breakout, Guardians of the Galaxy. And uh, we try to go on typically either one of the Matterhorn or Big Thunder Mountain or Indiana Jones and Temple of the Broken Ride. And then we usually go to Critter Country, Ride Splash, and then Poo. And it's always... It's one of the rides that I refer to as instant happiness. It doesn't. It tends not to have that long of a line, and you go in there, and the it, the music is so upbeat. They go bum ba dum bum bum ba dum bum bum bum, and you're right into a blustery day where the silly old bear is floating on a balloon, and the dude's just looking for honey. It's adorable. If if you don't smile when you see poo, one has to wonder what you're doing at Disneyland, don't you think, Tara? Yeah, like, Pooh is just such a pleasant ride. Everyone should ride it and enjoy it. Like, it's basically therapy. Disneyland itself is already therapy. And then if you're riding Pooh, it just takes it to the next level. It's cute. It's fun. It's sweet. It's a bit trippy. But, like, 
It's all so great. It'll make you so happy. And you'll come out of there smiling and you exit right back into the fresh, cool air that is critter country surrounded by trees and foliage. It's such a nice experience. And as far as dark rides go, it, it's one of the more technically complex of the fact that the honeypot moves up and down, very similar to Indiana Jones. The It's kind of the same ride mechanics, although Winnie the Pooh rarely, rarely breaks down. It takes you through... Now, it's a little different from the uh, Walt Disney World version of the ride, where which replaced Mr. Toad in a sense of blasphemy that is difficult, but that... Uh, on an objective scale, that is the superior version of the ride. It's longer, and it's more chronologically accurate. This one takes the timeline in a bit of an interesting uh, spot. You start off with uh, the blustery day, which is kind of at the beginning of the, the story. But then you go to the rainy day, and the rain, rain, rain came down, 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 which doesn't really make sense when you go into the Heffalumps and Woozles right after, because in the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, the Heffalumpa Woozle dream that Pooh has is what uh, causes him to wake up into the uh, all the great flood, and he has to protect his supper with the honey. So they, they reverse the two, probably because they were working with uh, limited space back there in Critter Country. It also... And this didn't have an impact on our ranking, but uh, in all of our times at Disneyland, the Winnie the Pooh ride operators tend to be our favorite. They uh, always recognize us. They're always really happy to see us. Uh, and it, 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 it's certainly great because Pooh means a lot to my family, so to, have, uh, to get the warmest reception in the 100-acre wood is certainly nice. Um, the, the ride, though, is, is very technically impressive on, on the dark ride scale. They, they include... Uh, way more audio and animatronics than most of the dark rides. And they do show, they, they show more of the story than I think probably any of them aside from probably Pinocchio. But as we said in that one, it's kind of, that one's kind of dark and gloomy. And even with the rain, I mean, it's, you, you've got Rue who's having a great time. Rabbit is kind of, uh, tweaking out he's he's nervous and then there's just eeyore who wants to die to begin with so if the flood happens uh so be it but um and then when you get to the heffalumps and woozles it it really is like your honeypot ride through an acid trip and you got poo in the balloon who's just gorging on honey a lot of the a lot of the poo stories tend to center around him trying to get honey this, they just kind of give him a lot of honey. There's a, a, a bunch of them. Tigger pops out in one part. It, it's, it's very impressive. It's a very, it's a technically, it's, it's an impressive ride. It's a great dark ride. It's one of my favorite dark rides there. And it's just, it's adorable. It ranks very high on the adorable scale. And, and Disneyland obviously does a lot of adorable things. Do you really think they do anything more adorable than, than Winnie the Pooh Turbo? It does not get better than that. And you also have the gift shop and everything around there that is, it just completes the Pooh experience. It's everywhere. It's so wonderful. It, it also, it's a great place to go in the middle of the day because it's not too hot. A lot of shade. That line is pretty, it's a fast moving line. Uh, we were there, thankfully, uh, for... Pooh's, the Pooh ride's 16th birthday. It was uh, opened in 2003. 
got to take a picture in front with the Sweet 16 cutout. You can uh, see that on my Instagram page if you're super, super interested and not at all angry that we put Winnie the Pooh in the top 10. But I think it does belong in the top 10. It deserves it, and especially deserves to be higher than the other Fantasyland Dark Rides, except for the one that's coming up. The fact it moves up and down when it's on the track, that's great. It makes it a fun experience. Yeah, it could be... It would be great if we had the Disney World version in Disneyland, because it is better. It's longer. They take you through Owl's House, where... Ooh, that'd be fun. It is, but there's also the element of melancholy, the fact that there's a picture. So that ride replaced Mr. Toad's Wild Ride under very controversial circumstances, and there's a picture of Jay Thaddeus handing the deed to the ride to Owl, which... I mean, God, that's just, it's brutal. It's very sad. And and the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh includes Gopher, who is not a character that you see very often in Pooh anymore. He made an appearance in the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, noting that he wasn't in the books. And aside from the, the cartoon, The New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, which is a great show, I hope it's on the Disney Plus service, Gopher does, uh, he has a supporting character in that. He usually falls down his hole. Pretty much every episode. But uh, he's a great character. I wish Lumpy the Elephant from Pooh's Heffalump movie was in it, but uh, I kind of understand why. There is one aspect of the ride that I don't really understand. It kind of bothers me, and I've actually asked the ride operators about it, and they haven't been able to give me an answer, or they wouldn't. Uh, and that is the fact that the ride ends with the uh, really controversial aspect of Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh is that the ride ends with Pooh's birthday, which doesn't happen in any of the source movies. The way that Tigger and Piglet say, uh, it's your birthday, Pooh. It's time for your party, Pooh. Uh, it makes it sound like he's an invalid, and they're, they're you know going to visit him on his birthday in the home quickly, and they have to remind him because he's forgotten. Uh well, he was coming out of a really great dream. He didn't want to wake up. And he doesn't want... Pooh doesn't really eat cake. Pooh likes honey. So they have him eating cake, which is weird. Uh, that part of the ride does come right after. There is an Easter egg to the Country Bears. If you're leaving... When, you, when you're leaving the uh, Heffalump and Woozle part, if you look behind you, it's, it's very hard to see unless you're in the first two seats. But uh, if you look up, they have the uh, mounted heads of a couple of them uh, on the back. It, it's really one where you have to kind of know it's there to see it because you have to turn your head completely around. But it also has one of my favorite ride endings. When you're, uh, when you're just about to leave the ride, you poo remarks, well, that was fun. And I find myself every time agreeing with him. It was fun. It's a very fun ride. It... It's not the longest ride in the world, but I gotta say, I would rather ride that ride than Indiana Jones. What about you? Definitely. Like, it's just so much of a better experience. It makes you happy. Sure, it's not a thrill ride, but Indiana Jones doesn't really do a great job of that either. Pooh is just, it's a great experience. It's nice. It is. It's beautiful. It's a lot of fun. I really, I always have a good time on Pooh. Uh, there have been days where you're just swamped at Disneyland because there's, there's, there's too many. It's too crowded. There, there, some rides are broken down. The lines are just terrible. 
it's one of those where we say, okay, let's fall back to Pooh. It's like we're defending a castle and it's being overrun. We fall back. You have a minute. You get excited. Maybe you get a picture at the 100 Eggwood. I mean, Critter Country really is one of the more underrated aspects of the park. It's quieter. Although, I mean, the day can get really crowded because um, all the kids want to get right. Uh, all the kids want to get pictures with Pooh, obviously. And it's a great. I always love it. When you're checking the app and Pooh has a longer ride than Splash Mountain. Because then people get to experience the ride. It There are some places that say it's the uh, least crowded of all the rides at Disneyland. I think that's probably just a combination of the fact that, like, uh, you know, get, get, it probably gets more people each day than Gadget Go Coaster. But Gadget, it takes a lot longer to load it probably gets more people than Peter Pan. Peter Pan takes a lot longer to load. I don't really, I'm not 100% sure, but all I know is I really love Winnie the Pooh. It's a beautiful ride. It makes me, there are a few rides in Disneyland that make me happier. And the happiness scale, we cannot ignore. If you leave the ride happy, that's gotta count for something. And that's not, you could say, okay, well, that's your, you know, your own, it, it's hard to rank happiness on an objective scale. Well, if you don't find, leaving that delightful, delightful place with the heffalumps, the woozles, and the rain, rain, rain came down, down, down. Maybe you're a bad person. I don't know. And moving on to a place that's adjacent to the 100 Acre Wood. It's hard to get to Critter Country without first passing New Orleans Square, home to the Haunted Mansion, which... It's been a, it, the Haunted Mansion has been there since 1969, making one of the oldest rides there that isn't a Disneyland original. And yet it's it's really hard to think about Disneyland without thinking not only of of the Haunted Mansion but of the great classic Eddie Murphy adaptation that came out in the mid 2000s. I I've I've seen like 5 minutes of it and then I turned it off. It's horrible. It's actually been on TV a lot lately. I've watched some a uh, little bit of it. It's not Eddie it's not Eddie Murphy's finest hour. Mulan is. And the fact that the Haunted Mansion movie was such a failure does make you kind of wonder why they're even bothering with a Jungle Cruise movie. I mean, what's next? Are we going to get a Matterhorn bobsled movie? I mean, it might be great. You never know. If they put in a cute little Yeti, uh, you know, it could be a really great exploration movie. Yeah, I mean, I say that. Uh, the PlayStation 2 Haunted Mansion game, which I think is probably also for Xbox and GameCube, it's amusing. It's not that great, but the ride is a classic and uh, one of my favorite things. To, it's, I mean, it really is probably the best ride queue of the entire park, especially with the introduction where your cadaverous pallor betrays an aura of foreboding, almost as though you sense a disquieting metamorphosis. Is this haunted room actually stretching, or is it just your imagination? And consider this dismaying observation. This chamber has no windows and no doors, which offers you this chilling challenge to find a way out. Ha ha ha. Of course, there's always my way. And I have no way of proving this, but I just, I just said all of that from memory. She wasn't looking at anything. She really does know it all. And we usually... Uh, once the door up, we, Tara has always known where the, the doors to each one of the elevators uh, exits out to, so we never actually really hear them uh, 
where he says, oh, I didn't mean to frighten you prematurely. We're usually just out the door at that point, which... I can get us through that line way faster than the estimated wait time. I cut off so much time by just, if you stand in the right place and you make the beeline out of there, you save a lot of time. There have been a couple times where there have been uh, people there who have like, noticed that we just recite the whole narration and then right right as door opens, we're the first two out of there and they just look like, okay, these people go to Disneyland way too much. True, but the Haunted Mansion is such a fun experience because it really... Pirates of the Caribbean does it really well also of just from the second you're really stepping foot into into the queue, you're immersed in that area and it's it's spooky. You get sent downstairs or down the elevator. You get on your doom buggy and you're... Sent through this 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 eerie mansion. I I don't particularly find it that scary. I'm sure maybe a kid does. I I think Snow White's Scary Adventures is probably a scarier ride, but it's so fun to go through the mansion. The narrator is really great. It does. There are a lot of rides that really try to make you feel like you're 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 on a mission, like the Guardians of the Galaxy or. Uh, Radiator Springs, you're actually you're racing. In Credit Coaster, you're trying to get the uh, the baby, whose name I'm. I think Jack Jack. Jack, yeah. You're um. You know they 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 try to they try to make them very immersive, but the Haunted Mansion. I mean, you've got this chilling challenge that you have to go through. It's super fun. Uh, the one thing the the woman in the crystal ball, uh, her script can kind of. It's like every single Halloween cliche rolled into one, which, fine, I guess that's kind of iconic. Uh, also, if you get stuck in that room, like when they're loading and unloading the wheelchairs and you're just in there for two minutes and you hear it just on repeat, just again and again and again. Goblins and ghoulies from last Halloween, send out your spirit with your tambourine, something like that. At least it's better during the Christmas uh, Nightmare Before Christmas version because she has to go through all the 12 days of Christmas. So there's less of repetition. But in the normal script, oh, it's the same thing over and over. Yeah, my absolute favorite part of the ride is when you're overlooking the uh, piano, the the dining room where the people are dancing. I think that's great. I've got- it's a beautiful scene. Like, you know, you need to know that ghosts are having fun. They still have a life even when they don't have lives. They need to socialize. They are grim-grinning ghosts coming out to socialize. Ah, oh, we finally got Tara to sing along on one of these. Maybe we should redub Tara singing Andy <laughs> Jr. Uh, it is. It's super fun. It is. If you want to compare it, the... the um, the Walt Disney World version is a bit it's a bit more elaborate opened up a year or two later. I really love the the Disneyland version. There's just a certain sense of you got to wonder what they were thinking putting that ride there in 1969. Maybe people were really scared. Maybe it's like the days where haunted houses were really big and like yeah. We don't really have haunted houses that you can go to except for, like, little places in Northern California. So this is, like, the closest you can come. You know it's not actually haunted. 
It's just a fun place to be. The ghosts are there to greet you. They are there to go home with you. It's like they're they're quite happy. They're very yeah, the, pleasant. The hitchhiking ghosts. That is one thing that I learned when I moved to Southern California was that uh, haunted houses or places like the Queen Mary's Dark Harbor, pretty much every Universal has a haunted maze, Knott's Berry Farm has one. They really do take Halloween seriously. And at Disneyland, you can kind of capture that vibe all year round, you can go to the haunting hall where they will receive your sympathetic vibration, a line that you you don't like to... There aren't that many uh, places in Disneyland where they uh, are sort of subtly sexual, and that one is certainly something where you listen to that, and you're like, eh, you really want a children to... Children Daddy, would not understand that. Daddy, what's a sympathetic vibration? I don't know. But... <laughs> that's awful. It's it's a very, very fun ride. I love it. It's got a good it's it's a good one to fast pass. Uh it tends to move pretty fast. That line can get pretty bad. It also is one of those lines you're checking on the app, a lot of times it'll say thirteen minute wait, which is one of the few that doesn't uh doesn't just go up in increments of five. That's a Disneyland uh tidbit that uh I, most people wouldn't care about, but if you're listening It's a cute little Easter egg. Yeah, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, that might be exciting, along with uh, the five-minute wait once for the Tarzan ride. It's not a Tarzan ride. It's a dishonorable mention. Oh, but it is It is a ride in your heart. No, it's not. <laughs> the Nightmare Before Christmas, That that's really the best of the uh, seasonal offerings, at least in my opinion. I really love Haunted Mansion at Christmas. Like I, I like it year-round as well. But it does become something else from Halloween to Christmas time. Really, September to January, Christmas time. Christmas is all year long. Ah, uh, because you've got uh, Sandy Claus's Christmas list outside. Like they really do up the exterior. They make the interior great. Everything just becomes even more wonderful than the normal haunted mansion. You've got uh, all of the Nightmare Before Christmas props. But even if you haven't seen Nightmare Before Christmas, as I hadn't seen for over 20 years of my life, I always loved Haunted Mansion Christmas time. It's It becomes very jolly despite it being a haunted mansion. And a fun fun fact about, uh, not fun fact, fun tidbit about Christmas. Uh, they really, it, it really, it's fun that they just totally, it's, it's a totally different ride when you're on it for that, but... Last time we were there around Christmas time, the Haunted Mansion had been having problems and had been closed all day and opens up at 9.30 at night. And boy, was there a rush to get over there. We hauled from, we saw that it was, we saw that it opened up and we were getting off of It's a Small World for a second time, just kind of scraping the, Indiana Jones had also actually been closed that day, so we were kind of just doing everything, just, just, uh, Prolong our stay, and we saw it was open, and just hauled ass over there, and oof, we were lucky because that line we were done with it was ridiculous. That probably would have gotten taken the the rest of the evening, but it's worth it to see Jack Skellington, and they have the adorable Jack Skellington Mickey Mouse at the uh, exit of the Haunted Mansion. It's adorable. It's a great, great ride, and. Uh, you know, it, it, it's it's one of the truly iconic parts of Disneyland. I it's one of those rides where the, the day's not complete until you've had a chance to ride it. 
It's fun at all times of the day because, I mean, I, there's certain aspects that's a little spookier at night, I guess. But it's spooky when you go down there. It's sure spooky when you go in in the middle of the day and it's bright outside. You go in, you're used to the night, and you come back and, oh, the sun is there. And I'll say this about the introduction. Some of them, some of the cues can get a little tedious after a while. Like, as cool as Roger Rabbit is, I would not want to wait in that line every time. We fast pass 99% of the time. But... Like, if there was an option to skip the narration, I would say absolutely not. It's just that good. It's really, it's it's a load of fun. And, you know, the Doom Buggy, which is almost guaranteed to stop at some point. I, I think I've made it through the ride without stopping maybe once in my life. Please remain seated in your Dune Buggy. They they switched it up to a couple of years ago. It was different. Something about critters invading uh, your cars. But, uh... It's a very, 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 very fun ride. And, I, you know, it's one of those also you can imagine back in the days of uh, when you wanted to go out on a date when chaperones would have to come, like in the 70s. You can imagine there was a fair bit of necking in that ride. So there's a lot of history there. But uh, speaking of Christmas, next up on our list also has a Christmas variation. And it's a ride... I don't think you can really open a discussion about this ride without acknowledging the fact that there are a lot of people who apparently have no soul and don't know how to love life because they hate this song. I am, of course, talking about It's a Small World After All. It's the happiest cruise that ever sailed. And I think that's actually probably true. Yeah, I, you're not getting motion sickness. You're not going to be throwing up over the side of the boat. And if you are, I'm sorry. It is the best way to rest at Disneyland, aside from maybe going to the Royal Theater. You get a nice, slow-moving, quiet ride. It's not really that quiet. The song's playing the entire time. <laughs> but it's quiet in your heart. You know, you're just... It's, it's another pleasant ride. It is... Well, they say that that song's been played more times than any other. That could be true. I think it it would probably rank number one on just, like, a, what ride at Disneyland is suitable for, like, absolutely everybody. Little kids, older people. Uh, uh, it's the kind of ride that there's really no kind of person who can't go on it. Except for the people who say, I don't want to listen to that song. And those people should be thrown out of the park, in my opinion. Funny story. So one time, I think it was after fireworks, somehow the music hadn't gone back on, or maybe it had broken down at some point, but the entire ride was silent. And we were just floating on through, and it was very eerie. And so I just took the initiative and opened up YouTube and started playing the song because the ride is really not complete without the song. If you think you don't like the song, try writing Small World without any music. It's not the same. Now, and for a bit of uh, Disneyland history, It's a Small World was actually opened as part of the 1964 World Fair along with... What was the other thing that was the World Fair that I had mentioned? There was... Um, I think the dinosaurs that you had oh, mentioned. Right, right, right. Along with the dinosaurs, uh, it's a small world. Are a holdover from the World Fair, and I would have really. I, I need to do some reading on how Walt got 
the uh, ride dismantled and then totally brought over. This is an elaborate setup, and there are a ton of dolls in there singing and dancing, and there's usually at least two or three of them broken. Yeah, there's an ice skater that I'm I'm 100, maybe 99% sure is is broken. She just she kind of just like stands there and does one spin every like rotation. There is a uh it's one of the first, I think it's in the first absolute first room after after the intro room where you have there's an Eskimo and he's got an Eskimo uh his his kayak is it's got the the kayaks um it's white, pink, and blue, which, if you're listening to this podcast, you'd probably identify that as uh, the colors of the transgender flag, so I always call them transgender Eskimo. Pictures of that on uh, Facebook or Instagram, if you'd like to uh, see transgender Eskimo for yourself. Another beautiful thing about the Disneyland version of the It's a Small World, which isn't found in its uh, Florida counterpart, is the introduction about... 10 years ago, back in 2008, where they put 29 Disney characters spread out throughout the park, ranging from, you have Alice, you even have, you have Alice, there's uh, Mu- there's Mulan, Aladdin, there's even Lilo and Stitch, which is cool, and you even have Woody and Jesse in there too, they even have the Pixar people. Uh, there's Little Mermaid, although Ariel's solo singing It's a Small World is kind of odd. Not yeah, really. so the other characters... Um, some of them have their songs playing in the background, kind of in harmony with the normal Small World song. But then you get to Ariel, and she is the only one of the Disney characters to completely take over the Small World song. The other characters kind of stop singing when you're near her, and you hear her, like the voice of a little child, singing the Small World song. And I think she's even interposing her own like kind of sea lyrics in there. And you don't hear that anywhere else. And I'm glad that it's only one place, but it would be better if she weren't singing. Yeah, it's definitely a weird part. That's also one of the last rooms in the in the ride, which and by that point you hear it and you're like, okay, maybe maybe I don't need that solo, but Oh, they even they have Nemo and uh Nemo Doria in there too. Oh, they also have Princess Liluo Kalani. Uh, or Queen Lilio Kalani, sorry, she was the last queen of Hawaii. Yeah, they have, uh, and, I mean, one of the beauties of Disneyland is you really do get people from all over the world come to Disneyland, and to have a ride that does represent all sorts of cultures, it's something that, you know, if you're from Southern California, maybe you could take from granted, but you see somebody who's from a different country and they see them, they see their people represented and you see the smile on their face and it, it is a touching moment. It's, it, it reminds you that this park does mean so much to so many different people across so many different generations. And there's probably no better example of that than it's a small world. It's such a beautiful, beautiful ride and I love it. The Christmas version though, so, um, Along with Haunted Mansion, they put up a uh, hol- they totally revamped the ride for the holidays, and they uh, have a version of the song that's sung to both Jingle Jingle Bells and Deck the Halls. The big issue with this with uh, the renovation is because the Haunted Mansion is done for Nightmare Before Christmas, which straddles the line between Halloween movie and 
Christmas movie. I won't weigh in on that grand debate that even continues to this day. I think Tim Burton actually did say that it was a Halloween movie first, but obviously Christmas in the title. Because it's a Halloween, that gets uh, remodeled first. So after the holidays, uh, the Haunted Mansion gets closed for about two weeks, which means that... uh, by the time they start doing that, which is a week after, uh, they start doing it about a week after New Year's. They start doing it uh, about a week after New Year's because uh, they don't want to close rides for the vacation crowds. But by the time they've done that, but by the time they finish with Haunted Mansion, they don't really start doing It's a Small World until. By the time they've uh, by the time they've redone Haunted Mansion. And they've started on It's a Small World. It's basically almost February. So there was one time, it was the end of January, like, we, we can't... There is such a thing as too much Christmas, but there probably isn't a th- such a thing as uh, too much is a small world. There was one time... Uh, it's, it's one you tend not to ride twice in one day just because it's one of the longer rides, but there have been times where I have ridden it twice, and... It's a very nice, it's a nice way to relax. It's a nice way to uh, enjoy enjoy taking in some scenery while uh, also sitting down. There was a time when it was raining and they were having to swap out the, it's, because, um, because the loading queue is outside and there's still a fair amount of time outside, uh, both uh, before the ride and then after. They fill up with water really quick. So one time we basically had to enjoy the ride with our feet on the seats because it was totally... The boat was basically sinking. We would have had to get out and have Peter Pan fly us home or else we would have drowned in It's a Small World, which would have been brutal. But thankfully we made it. We survived the happiest cruise that ever sailed. I also kind of like at the end of the ride when they have the one postcard that says, uh, having fun today, looking forward to tomorrow. It's very upbeat. You know, if you ever... ever I agree with Tara that Disneyland really is can be therapy a lot. Uh, if you're there and maybe you're not having the best day, you see that, it, it lifts me up a bit. Or maybe not having uh, a bad day at Disneyland, I'm having a bad day in general. It, it it can be basically as effective as Prozac, maybe. I would hope so. You have anything else to say about this is a small world? Um, so speaking of outside, the hedges that they have shaped in the shape of like the bear, the deer, uh, maybe it's a moose, um, the other animals, those are really fine pieces of work. They've got to tend to those probably daily. And then you've also got every 15 minutes, the nice little parade outside in the clock and all of the little figurines go marching past. It's so nice. And the, the, uh, the clock, I mean, um, the train... The Disneyland Railroad goes right by it, which is always fun. Hating on It's a Small World does not make you cool. It just makes you a bad person. And if you go to Disneyland and you don't go on It's a Small World, I, I really have to question your priorities. It's it's a great, great, great ride. I love It's a Small World. Even, even uh, once or twice after Christmas when... Who wants to hear jingle bells, jingle bells? In when it's when it's pushing on February, maybe they should. Uh, you think they should do a Christmas in July version of that? Bring it yes, back. they should. I I can only imagine how much of a pain in the ass it is to swap out all of those dolls. Yeah, um, that's about like 
because I think it's about two weeks of takedown and setup that that would be like a few months out of the year. Well, moving on to number seven is a Disneyland exclusive. There is no version of the Alice in Wonderland dark ride in any other park. And it's a really impressive dark ride, which uh, is fitting because it gets a brutal line pretty much the entire day. There's never, unless you, unless you're one of the first on the ride or it's basically, I mean, sometimes at closing, it's still a pretty bad line. But uh, Alice in Wonderland is one of the most immersive, thorough dark rides in the entire park. It's a really, really great ride. That, and it's the only dark ride that has part of the ride, part of the actual ride, not just the queue or the beginning of the end, where you're outside, which is very cool to be on top of the whole ride going through. You get to see Tweedledee and Tweedledum. You get to see Cheshire Cat. You can see the Mad Queen, all of the the Queen of Hearts. You get to see all the playing cards. Uh, they actually, and the flowers. And the flowers, the Mad Hatter. White Rabbit. White Rabbit. And... Uh, the it's one of those rides that really does make you feel like you're going not only just you know through scenes from the movie but just the movie itself it does a great job sort of following Alice's journey through although it ends with the you know the unbirthday and the mad hatter which is maybe a bit chronologically out of order and also with Winnie the Pooh it's one of the few rides that ends with a birthday which is uh, i guess fitting for a park where if you have the birthday thing everybody in the uh all the employees have to say happy birthday or their or Mickey gives them 20 lashes. Poor Oswald. We haven't mentioned him yet. Do you think Oswald should have a ride? The Lucky It rabbit? would be such a great ride. Poor Oswald. Dude got a... Uh, they need to really make a movie about Oswald, but Alice in Wonderland is not the time to talk about Oswald. But it's a... Uh, it first opened in 1958, making it one of the oldest that's not a Disneyland original. Although, I mean, it's three years off pretty 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 close my sister really wanted to she she likes that ride a lot and it's not in the florida one so you know the teacups will always be the more iconic of the alice rides because you can find that pretty much in any of the park and this one is only in california but it, it it's a really uh oh and the 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 cars are shaped like a flower i think it's the caterpillar all right, right. The Caterpillar cars are also fun, especially if you're there with your partner. The Caterpillar cars are also fun if you're there with your same-sex partner because they, they the ride operator awkwardly presents the possibility that you can sit one-on-one. They don't... Most of the dark rides, uh, whether it's Pinocchio or um, Snow White or Alice, the ones that have two, two rows, will... Uh, if, if you're just one party, they won't put other people. They won't put random people in your car with you. Winnie the Pooh will, but uh, that's a, those honeypots are much bigger. But in Alice, they'll say, oh, you can sit one and one or two in the back. Like, obviously, we're going to sit two in the back, but thank you. Because uh, Disneyland's a great place to go if you're gay. Uh, Disney movies, not a great place to be if you're gay, because there's pretty much count them on one hand. But Alice... Um, what do you think about the animation in Alice? They show parts of the movie. Do you think that's good or do you think it was I good? really like the addition of it. So the last few years, the Disney rides have started adding more actual uh, graphics and um, 
like animations. And so Alice, I think, is the only one besides like Star Tours to actually feature animation sequences from the movie. And it really does, like, they use it tastefully. You're not telling the entire story through the movie itself with its own animations. They're used in two or three places, so it's very small, but it's cute. So, like, you're following the white rabbit through his animation instead of just having kind of a cardboard cutout. Um, I think it's kind of what it used to be. So it's really cute, and you've got, um, yeah, they use it well. It is a... uh really great i mean i'm glad that it moves slowly and there's parts of the ride where you can uh where you can sort of stop and take a look around it's it's not as fast-paced as peter pan because there is just so much to take in inside that ride you could just I, i i've actually never been on it when it's broken down but i'd almost like to because you could just stop for a second and uh really take in more of the scenery yeah, it's it's pleasant also in the flower room, one of the first rooms of the ride. Uh, you've got the signs pointing every which way. You've got the white rabbit. You've got the caterpillar. And then you've got singing flowers. It's a nice experience. And the music is great. It it really is the perfect dark ride. It's actually not the highest ranked dark ride on, the, on, on our list. But uh, in terms of just being technically impressive, uh, it's really great. And and that. Points for having a audio animatronic Alice that actually doesn't look creepy or sickly like Wendy in Peter Pan. Because the princesses, the princesses don't have any dark rides to call their own, really, and and Snow White barely factors into her own. Is Snow White even really a princess? Yeah, she's the daughter of a king. Okay, okay. Because she doesn't. Uh, she wears a more modest gown. Yeah, that's that's part of her deal. Like she's she's yeah she's kind of put to work by her evil stepmother, uh, but she's a more humble, kind-hearted person. She's used to doing menial labor. That's how the dwarves suckered her in. Yeah, I wouldn't want to deal with them as a as a young uh, closeted transgender child. I always her her costume didn't really do anything for me. I was more of a Belle or a Sleeping Beauty or a Cinderella. More elaborate, the better. But uh, Alice has a great, iconic, iconic dress. And uh, it's great the ride can uh, incorporate that. And actually, the Mad Queen also has a very iconic dress. So that's always great. Uh, The way they incorporate the Cheshire Cat is very cool. I really like... uh, He's got a good voice. He sounds a bit like Winnie the Pooh. I wonder if Jim Cummings did that. I'd have to look it up. But... um, so Tony Pope voices the Cheshire Cat, but the fact that Sterling Holloway did the original Cheshire Cat voice is probably, uh, that vindicates me a little bit because, uh, they do sound the same, which is nice. Uh, Sterling Holloway's version of Winnie the Pooh is, uh, one of my favorites, even as somebody who grew up with, uh, the Jim Cummings who started voicing him, I think in 1988. So he's been voicing him my entire life, but, uh, enough about Pooh. Alice, Alice, a great ride. It, uh, it might be, well, there's one more totally Disneyland exclusive that we haven't talked about, but, uh, along with Indiana Jones, uh, Alice and, uh, Roger Rabbit, it makes a great case for why Disneyland is a better park than, uh, the Magic Kingdom and Disney World, certainly, but. That's a topic for a different podcast, but Alice, Alice is a really, really, really fun ride, and 
it's worthy of the line. Line can be brutal. It's slow moving. It's a tough one to load, but uh, it's worth the wait. And it's a long ride, too. It goes for about two and a half minutes. So you definitely do get a better investment of your time versus Peter Pan, which is just gone before you know it. Alice in Wonderland not only has time to immerse you, but also give you a little bit to breathe and going outside, splitting up the dark ride uh, when you go outside. It's, it's, it's fun. It's a really, really, really fun ride. Speaking of fun rides, uh, the father of Casey Jr., Casey Sr., works at Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, which is our number six. That's actually, uh, he's not confirmed to be Casey Sr., but I totally, I totally think that makes sense, don't you think? Yeah, it's a train, and also they're basically right next to each other. Discounting Galaxy's Edge... There are no other rides between Casey Jr. and Big Thunder Mountain. They're close together. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. They like to see each other. I would love if that song was playing. The Big Thunder Mountain is one of the older rides. It's been there since 1979. It did replace the mine train through Nature's Wonderland, which is uh, uh, not something I imagine most people listening to this podcast would have been on. I certainly haven't been on it, but um, Big Thunder Mountain is one of the most just... It, it's one of Disneyland's best rides because it... Big Thunder packs a lot of thrills while also giving you time to kind of go up some hills and take a look around. It's It, it makes the most of its uh, external views and... They've got a lot of cute things like the skunk with the dynamite. It's it, it's a really, really fun ride. Yeah, we like to greet all of the animals we see as brers, like Br'er Rabbit from Splash Mountain. So we say, hi, Br'er Turtle. Hi, Br'er Snake. Hi, Br'er Possum Family. Hi, Br'er uh, Wolves. There's a lot to see. Oh, also my favorite, hi, Br'er Dinosaur, because there is a dinosaur fossil in the ride. There is, and... It's one of it's a great thrill ride for people of all ages. It's not too scary, and yet those the the turns especially really do they pack a bunch. They're a lot of fun. Um, I mean, Disneyland doesn't have any that are like, oh my god, it's terrifying, it's terrifying. Like, I don't think. I mean, some people maybe don't want to ride space, but uh, you know, even like the the Incredicoaster is not not super super scary. Or... You go upside down. I was I was always scared to ride that when I was young. <laughs> I I did not ride it until like last year. Yeah, so I mean, with that in mind, Big Thunder is kind of a good bridge between uh, a more modest thrill like Casey Junior and a, a maximum thrill like a Guardians or Incredicoaster. For those of you who don't like going upside down, I I, I could see that, but. Um, there is one aspect of Big Thunder that I really it, it grinds my it grinds me. I, I can't stand the fact that this ride uh, at the end when you're um, right when the ride's done, when you're uh, just about to get off and you pass through this little like prospector's town, there's a saloon which in quotation marks says, "We serve the finest corn whiskey." They don't serve the finest corn whiskey because Disneyland, outside of, I guess, Galaxy's Edge now and Club 33, you cannot buy alcohol in Disneyland, so there's no corn whiskey there. There's not even any corn whiskey in California, If Adventure. If you go in there and you say, I want corn whiskey, tough luck. Disney doesn't have. Mickey Mouse has consumed all the corn whiskey with Goofy. 
None for you. Tara, uh, Tara's uh, turned that into a big joke to remind me of the corn whiskey every time. It's the finest corn whiskey. You don't know that they don't have it. It might be there for the cast only. I, I, the rats, I, the cats. I, I doubt it, but uh, they call it the wildest ride in the wilderness. It certainly is. Uh, and, and it it's a great adventure. It's a long ride. It the queue doesn't get super, super bad, not like Jones or Space Mountain. It's a good fast pass to get. I love riding it at night. It's a great ride to ride at night because it just takes place outdoors and it's a bit it's a bit spookier outside. Um, I guess the air would be a bit cooler at night, so you'd maybe feel that a bit more. I'm not a meteorologist, but uh, it certainly feels that way. It's um, it's a lot of fun. I really... Uh, it, it It's one of my favorites. It's one that we ride two or three times whenever we're there. And it really gets old. It's a um, it it's a perfect. It's it's really the 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 thrill ride that is probably most inclusive to all ages. With maybe Splash Mountain being the possible contender for that somewhat uh, hard to define set of criteria. If you know what I mean. When was uh, how old were you when you first went on Big Thunder? Maybe around 12 years old. My mom always liked it. Um, being a roller coaster, I was more scared of it. I didn't like roller coasters. And I was like, oh, this isn't actually that bad. Yeah, I had always been on the Disney World one, uh, which is a bit longer, I think. But uh, as soon as I could pass the height requirement, big thunder. It's a lot of fun. I really like the ride. Obviously, it's at number six. And moving on to number five. I was trying to get Moving on to number five. Dead men tell no tales, but they probably get to ride Pirates of the Caribbean. A Disneyland classic. Hard to hard to step foot in Disneyland and not ride Pirates of the Caribbean, which was the last ride that Walt worked on. Uh it is really one of the most iconic uh, ride. It, it might be. It might be the single most iconic ride in Disneyland. Just just based on it is the only it's the only ride to get a movie adaptation that was a any good or b like spawned a franchise. There's a reason we don't have uh, Haunted Mansion Five or even Haunted Mansion Two. Not that we wanted, super, super wanted Pirates of the Caribbean 4 and 5, but they were very, they were they were good movies. I like them. I give them a lot of extra bonus points because I love Pirates of the Caribbean that much. Your normal film viewer probably doesn't really like them. I, I do. And so it's one of the few theme park rides to spawn a successful movie franchise. I think it might be the only one. Uh that has led to some controversial changes, notably uh, including the Johnny Depp version of the character who spread out throughout the ride. Uh, they also at times had switched the audio track to uh, either Davy Jones or... Blackbeard. Uh, Blackbeard from the fourth movie. They used to have uh, a nice visual um, animation clips of Davy Jones right. and Blackbeard over a waterfall of mist. And then they decided to take that out recently, kind of going back to the roots of Pirates of the Caribbean, taking some of those newer movie aspects out. 
Yeah, the Paul Freese's original audio tracks are back in the ride, which is good. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean also has distinction as the only theme park ride to have been caught up in the Me Too movement. It's the only ride to have been Me Tooed. And it kind of did need to. Well, so there was a wench auction, which... We can talk about how much PC is too PC all you want. You can talk about... I mean, sex slavery is kind of bad, however you cut it. Yeah, I mean, the people will say, oh, they've gone too far with political correctness. In order to kind of take that position, you really do have to, to, you never hear the people acknowledge it, but that would say, you know, I'm okay with the, uh, with, with, uh, women being sold into slavery as literally when, I mean, it, it's a good change for today's era that a character like Red is now there for little female pirates to look and to see her and to look up to her and, I've only seen the character once uh, walking around the park. I wish we'd taken a picture because she honestly was like looking around like with nothing to do and we should have. But yeah, I hadn't seen her nearby. <laughs> Red. Um, She's a powerful, independent, self-made businesswoman. She is running her own auction. Yeah, I, I think that Red was a very uh, important addition to Pirates. Uh, I support her. I also, I really love how there's the varying... Um, sort of chapters of the Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, you, you start off, you're going through the restaurant, which I always love going on Pirates at like 3.30 or 4 in the afternoon to see the people who are sitting in the restaurant, the Blue, Blue Lagoon? Uh, Blue Bayou. The Blue Bayou. I like seeing the people in the Blue Bayou trying to force feed themselves at like 3.30 in the afternoon because that's the only time they could get a reservation. You go through that. Then you get a little bit of thrill. You get two drops, which are nice. You go through the caves where Elon Musk probably wants to put a little mini sub somewhere. That might be fun. Uh, you see there's a nice little fiddler crab in there. Yet to see any real birds, unlike the canal boats. But um, you get to see a lot of really cool stuff. All the treasure that's got to, the mattresses down there that have got to be soaked in mildew. And then when that's all done, you get to go through the... Uh, is that Tortuga, the town? Um, I don't think it's supposed to be there. It's Isla. There's a, Isla, Isla something. There's Isla the, Tesoro. Yeah, the map outside um, shows you, like, the treasure map. It says what the name is and everything. Yeah, it's Isla Tesoro, and had I just been reading off of what I'd actually written in the article, that would have been... Totally apparent. Uh, I do like the addition of Barbosa on the pirate ship. I, I mean, that's also, I like Jeffrey Rush a lot, but it's it's fun to see the uh, big pirate ship invading. You're, you're literally, you're, you're, it's a ride that takes you right through a battle, and then you get to see the, the, the town. And you get to see the woman calling out for her husband, trying to save him as people are trying to drown him in a well. What gets more family-friendly than that? It's true. There, there was a, another part of the ride. Uh, if you see the, the ones that are literally just spinning around in circles, uh, the pirates now have food. Beforehand, they were literally chasing the women. Uh, probably just to go looking for corn whiskey and not, not for... Uh, they were chasing them to try and ask consent, which is probably what they were doing. But If a woman is running from you, I don't... That, that is a no right there. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean also had some of the earliest, and uh, it, the idea of animatronic, you really have to, 
Walt really was a pioneer of that stuff, and that's also apparent in the great moments with Mr. Lincoln. But to have built all that stuff, that really they do look pretty real. Red nowadays, you can see kind of the the comparison between her and some of the older audio animatronics. They have made, continued to make a lot of uh, advances in the technology, but it's really immersive, impressive. Uh, Part and I like how the boat it doesn't move too fast. You really get to look around, take everything in. Uh, like the 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 shadow sword fight that happens just after Barbosa's ship, right before you really get to downtown Isla Tesoro, not Tortuga. Um, and it, it's got a it's got a fifteen minute runtime, long ride, long ride, um, which is practically double the length of the Magic Kingdom version, which is. Uh, distinctly not as good but um that's probably fitting because this is the original it's uh the one that started it all it's the last ride that walt really got to make his mark on so with that in mind it's it's really hard to think of a uh more iconic ride and it's got a fast moving line you can it, it can take a while there's a pokemon gym there though that's helps pass the time a little bit <laughs> It has no fast pass, which can make that line a bit. I've actually fainted in that that line, but uh, that was because it was the summer and I probably something to do with my hormones. Who knows? But uh, got up, chose not to leave the ride, and still rode through it anyway. Which is uh, it's my dad's favorite ride, which is also a uh, he always likes to ride that twice when we're there because it's so it's so much better than the Florida version. Which is always uh it's it's always a really great time. And uh maybe the one the one thing I would change is when the ride's over, you are kind of awkwardly just kind of waiting, trying not to make eye contact with the ride queue. You're 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 waiting to be dispensed. There's a the, especially if the ride's a little backed up, there's a period where you're just sitting in the boat while the people who are sometimes maybe been waiting a while for the ride are just standing right there too and it's a little awkward. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Do you think it's awkward? Uh, it can be if you're if you're really waiting there for a while. Um, but when it's running pretty regularly, you're not really outside with the um, the people in line for too long. It's nice to see the parrot. Yep, the parrot is definitely cute. It's 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 hard to top. It's a really great ride. Although obviously at number five there are four rides that we did view as uh, topping it. And uh, your list, I would have put it at number one. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm glad you said that. You, plenty of people listening probably would too. And uh, it's good that we have somebody who can offer another take. Yeah, like it's got two drops. Well, the it's next great. It is great. The next ride on our list has plenty of drops. Which is coming in at number four, Space Mountain. Space Mountain is really the uh, probably the most iconic of the thrill rides at Disneyland. That's give or take that, or the Matterhorn, and maybe it gets that uh, accolade a little bit because the Matterhorn is a Disneyland exclusive. So, whereas Space Mountain, it, it can be found in a lot of parks. Uh, the Florida version definitely is the the most iconic, uh, longest, and uh, more of a true roller coaster than Space Mountain in uh, California, which had to, at the time it was built, deal with a much more constricted space. But Space Mountain is a ton of fun. 
And it's one, in terms of immersive ride cues, you go through, you really feel like you're in space, and the countdown, when you really feel like you're being launched in a rocket ship, which is a lot of fun. Um, the way that the um, the music starts to play, it really does kind of cue up, okay, what's happening is going to be great. The music's a lot of fun, a lot of thrills. Uh, recently, it's uh, received, uh, sometimes they switch it over for Hyperspace Mountain, where you get to basically be an X-Wing and you go through. Uh, and that's fun not only to see all the Star Destroyers and stuff, but when the, the lights go off, you can take a better look at Traditionally, Space Mountain is more or less completely in the dark, so you can't really see what's going on. Hyperspace Mountain, there's a lot of light, and you can look around and see the impressive interior of how and they see how they the bar that. that you're not gonna hit, even though it freaks me out. It's like we're not gonna hit it; we are safe. It's hard to say if it's scarier with or without the lights, but it's definitely a, a more uh, interesting experience with Hyperspace Mountain. It's it's very well constructed too. It. The sharp twists and the turns, uh, they make the most of this space. It's very it, it's very thrilling, and especially uh, it's one of those that... It, it, being in the front row on that one, you probably wouldn't think, oh, that's super important because you're in the dark. Oof, you get really, really... You can be rocked all over the place on that one. And uh, I really like it. It's, it's a hard one to talk about because you're in the dark. You're twisting around. Not a lot to look at. What is your favorite corner of Space Mountain? Uh, favorite corner. That's kind of a tough one, too. <laughs> um, I like the fourth corner. Ah, a good one. <laughs> I think, like, number 10. Yeah, get, a, get a, a good curve. Is there a 10? There's got to be. It, um, it does a lot. The most awkward is when they take the picture, because nobody knows it's coming. You're, you, everybody just kind of looks terrible, because the... Break. It's hard to recapture your face and smile for that when you're like still going really fast. It starts to slow down a little bit from like versus when you're outside, but you're still going way too fast. And if you try to smile on that, it's going to look forced and yeah. painful. It, um, God, the line, the line for it can get really, really, really bad. Probably worse than any of the, it consistently worse than any in the, park and that's actually even rang true now that uh smuggler's run is opened but it's a lot of fun it it is it, i'm not doing it justice because it's in the dark writing about it was difficult i'm like why is this thing at number four i can barely even write about it you're in the dark it's going fast um fast if you sometimes i try to like close my eyes and see does it increase the experience it, it it doesn't really like it is fun to look at the stars around there and try to see what's coming next and then like the surprise because you don't see what's coming next and it's fun moving around the the soundtrack that's playing when you're on it is really making the most of the experience um it's fun you hear other people screaming and you try to look around you can't see where they are because you're going that fast and it's in the dark the darkness enhances it it definitely does it's it's a ton of fun and it, it it definitely is the most iconic of the the traditional the Disneyland thrill rides. It's hard to, and you got the 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 all the mountains, which, uh, well, I guess we have two mountains left. But Big Thunder, Splash, and Space are all the ones you can find at multiple parks that all have mountain in the title. Space is uh, it's a wild ride, which cues up our uh, next one. Speaking of wild rides. 
There's another one that people can maybe do an eye roll, but if you if you follow my Instagram or Twitter, you probably suspected this one might be coming because uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride is probably my my personal favorite of all the rides at Disneyland. It's at number three, but no trip to Disneyland is complete for me at least without a picture with Jay Thaddeus in the ride queue. For me, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride is is the best dark ride at Disneyland because it blends what we love about Disneyland, which is uh, it's classic. It's a Disneyland original based off of a very obscure film, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, which was a two-part movie. So this would be the Mr. Toad part, which itself was based off Wind in the Willows. But it's also very idiosyncratic. It is not a very faithful adaptation of uh, the of uh, Mr. Toad at all, except for I guess the beginning where the weasels are going through the house. But it drops you in hell. There's no hell in Wind, Wind in the Willows. There's no hell in the movie. There is here for some reason, and that's I guess part of why it's just so iconic. It's a ride where you finish it and you look back and you're like, what the hell just happened? Yeah, the ride is absolutely insane. And that is what makes it so great. The fact like you're on this wild car ride, you're like blowing past police, you're almost like running over a shepherd with his sheep. Are, I think the sheep are pretty safe on their bridge. You're driving through town, knocking over boxes down at the pier wharf area. Somehow you're driving a car through a saloon you're driving the car through the courtroom. Like, we yeah. are in this car the whole time. Well, Winkle is uh, one of the uh, villains in the movie. I guess it's more of a short. He, put, putting the two together, it's still, like, basically an hour. You get half an hour of footage with Mr. Toad. We will be doing our own podcast episode on Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. It's the only one on this that we will uh, do more of an episode on, but... I also, a lot of people can maybe, uh, with all of the technological advances in a lot of the other rides, particularly a lot of the other dark rides, the uh, cardboard cutouts that make, or not, the wooden cutouts that make out a lot of the uh, scenery in it may look a little dated, but they're just so iconic. And the shepherd, who kind of looks like he's uh, strung out, like he's been guarding his, using a little bit too much coke to... uh, Guard his sheep. You got the police just saying, stop, stop. And you can imagine riding in the car that Jay Thaddeus would just be hopping up and down, flipping them the bird, saying, I'm going to keep riding through. I don't care what you say. I'm going to go. He doesn't care. The devil be damned. And the devil, you're going to meet him because the judge says, guilty, that is all. Thank you. And then you see the devil again. He's in hell. And even even the dragon in hell isn't 100% sure what to do with you because he's wheezing. He's been vaping a little too much. Um, and it's so adorable. You've got the music in the beginning, and they say, Welcome to Toad Hall. And you're riding through cars with, like, painted, and they've got the names of the friends. You're, you're driving along, and you're like, Okay, I'm Molly here. We are just having a good time. Yeah, Mole, everybody's there. Molly's there, Ratty's there, Angus McBadger is there, 
And I love that Molly is sitting, he's by himself, he's eating. He's, he's eating like, chicken. oh, don't disturb me in my meal. Why are you driving a car through your own manor? And the, the, the ride is just nothing but disruption. It's, it, it, it's, it's hard to believe that this, this ride, that, well, it's not hard to believe that newer parks like Shanghai, uh, Disneyland Shanghai or, or Hong Kong haven't uh, <laughs> built an attraction based off a obscure movie that I always get excited when the little kids are like, I want to ride, I want to ride Mr. Toad, I want to ride Mr. Toad. So yeah, I think, how many of them have seen it? Uh, especially with the thing like the Disneyland Vault or just the fact that people don't really buy DVDs anymore, it's not streaming anywhere, Disney Channel doesn't really air it. Was Mr. Toad ever on DVD? Oh, yeah. I remember when it was coming out on uh, DVD and home video. They would okay, a- advertise okay. it a lot because Ichabod... Um, Ichabod is is one of the more iconic of the Disneyland, uh, at least for Halloween, because it's the Legend Why of Why doesn't Sl- he Sleepy have Hollow. a ride? I don't know, but Jay Thaddeus doesn't really get the credit he's due. He had his ride closed in Disney World for Winnie the Pooh. It's very sad. They have a, uh, in Disney World, there's a Jay Thaddeus uh, tombstone in the Haunted Mansion in the graveyard, which... Um, it's a little bit bigger than the graveyard that you can see in Haunted Mansion uh, here, which is closer to the Disneyland Railroad, the New Orleans Square Stop. But Mr. Toad, it, you've got... It, it, it actually, in terms of, 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 of Dark Ride 2, it's, it's very fast-paced. It's jerky and bumpy. Also, you are in control of the steering wheel. Even though it doesn't move the car, you can spin it all around all you want, and that counts for something. It's a hell of a lot better than Indiana Jones, where you can't spin that wheel at all. Nope. It's... It's so adorable. I love, love that. And I always love seeing the people who love taking the pictures with Mr. Toad. Obviously, I've taken quite a few, but... Uh, it's also uh, the, the ride queue out in the garden, where it's got the portraits of uh, our four main heroes. And if you think of it, like, okay, Donald Duck is a great sidekick. Goofy is a great sidekick. Do they hold a candle to Molly? I, I I wish Molly was on the parade, sitting there eating a chicken leg. And even when you're riding, it, it's a great ride to ride multiple times. Probably, I think the ideal amount of times to ride it per trip is probably 10 or 15. Because uh, there's all these different portraits on the side of past toads to inhabit in Toad Hall. There is a miniature Toad Hall in the canal boats, which is important with the, with the motor car. They have a motor car outside in the um, in the uh, courtyard, and uh, in Cars Land, there's a, a repurposed car outside the uh, outside the Flo's Diner. Flo's her name, right? Yeah, Flo's V8 Cafe or yeah. something. Uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride is is such a beautiful. It it, it definitely coupled with uh, a couple of the other exclusive really do, does build a compelling case for why. Disneyland is the greatest singular park of all the Disney parks. It has so much history, so much lore. And when you want, when you ride a dark ride, you don't want it to be like Pinocchio and follow the movie to a candle. You want it to be idiosyncratic. You want, you want to, to finish wondering, sort of still taking in what the hell just happened. And having ridden Mr. Toad probably... 
I don't know, 50 times this year alone, I still end it with the same wonder and awe that you feel just about every time. It's a really great ride. And we're going to do a way more in-depth Mr. Toad episode looking at The Wind in the Willows and uh, the movie and all of that and looking at the ways that Mr. Toad lives on because it's such a treasure. It's it's Fantasyland's uh, greatest ride. And uh, although I, I guess the next one also sort of inhabits Fantasyland, but uh, it's my personal favorite. Makes me so happy to ride it. And I, I, I really think that you can make the case that Mr. Toad is a better dark ride than... Uh, Peter Pan Flight, which is way shorter and way less idiosyncratic. Definitely better than Snow White, where you spend way too much time being uh, told that fruit is basically the worst thing on the planet Earth, specifically apples. It's certainly better than Pinocchio. And um, Alice is is technically impressive, but it doesn't drop you in hell. Yeah, Alice makes sense. Mr. Toad does not make sense. Even after having seen the... Um, Adventures of Mr. Toad, like the short, um, or I guess it's not as short if it's long, the cartoon, the ride still does not make sense. And that's what makes it great. It's just, it is all over the place and it's fun. My um, my grandfather who hates uh, theme parks probably more than most people on the planet Earth, um, he used to, he did some work for Roy Disney back in the day. Uh, and when he was in Disneyland, in the early 60s, he still talks about how Mr. Toad was the only ride there that he really loved. He still loves Mr. Toad. So do I. It's got a lot of uh, personal family history to me, but uh, Toad Hall itself is just a place where you can look around and you feel like there's history there. There is history there. It's, a, it's my favorite of the Disneyland originals, that's for sure. And I know Tara, Tara loves it as well. Mm-hmm. It's a 4D experience. The others don't really do that. It has heat. You are in hell. It is a great place to dry off hell after Splash warm. Mountain. Hell is a very warm place there. Yeah, we've luckily not really been stopped in it. We were stopped at the doorway once this year. Um, but when I was young, there was like one time when I got stopped inside hell, luckily for only like a minute. It got quite toasty. Yeah, it's... Uh it does. It's appealing to all the senses, mm-hmm. and we're so uh, we're so grateful it's there. They can never close it. If they close it, oof! I don't think they would though. No, like the fact, like it's always got a line. People are so happy taking pictures with it. They're taking pictures in the motor car. People were furious when it was closed in 1998 in Florida. They picketed. They wanted Jay Thaddeus to stay. Hopefully he'll stay forever. We know that no trip to Disneyland would be complete without multiple rides through hell. And there's no other theme park where you can do that. Seriously. Like, for all these new rides, Galaxy's Edge, I don't want that. I want Toad Hall's Edge. I mean, give us a Toad Hall-themed land. I'll take it. I love that. And we need a live-action movie, too, not the the weird British one with a lot of the Monty Python people. Wait, there's a live-action Mr. Toad? Yeah. Disneyland, it... Now, um, Disney distributed it. They didn't really have a role in making it, but uh, uh, it's a British children's classic. It's it's a that fun, makes sense. It's a they, fun movie. They, yeah, they they've done a lot of weird things. 
Yes. Well, Mr. Toad is certainly weird, but it's also beautiful and wonderful and, and wild. Certainly wild. Wild ride. It lives up to its name. Yeah. It's 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 worth the trip to California just to go on Toad Hall, just to go through Toad Hall multiple multiple times. It you can't just do it once. You can do like you can do Space Mountain once, or you can go into Galaxy's Edge once, but Toad Hall gotta gotta post up there, or else if you don't, the weasels will come, and that's no good. But uh, next up on our list is a thrill ride that uh, Terry gets very sick of because I always want to ride it three or four times, and that would be the Matterhorn bobsleds, which uh, are a Disneyland exclusive. You can't find them at any other park. Just like uh. A lot of the rides, Disneyland had some great exclusives. But the Matterhorn bobsleds were the first tubular steel roller coaster in the world. And as a, as a thrill ride in the year 2019, they still hold up. They're still great. And the Matterhorn Mountain was built because there was um, a kind of pile of rubble that was... Disneyland hadn't figured out what to do with. They put the mountain there, which was uh, certainly a great use for it. It's um, it's a really fun ride that uh, offers two different experiences because there's two separate tracks. One on the um, one one side's a little bit faster, and the other side's a little bit longer. But um, it's hard to think of another ride where you get to uh, speed down a mountain on in a bobsled while the abominable snowman tries to kill you. And they actually they redid the um, abominable snowman a couple years ago. The older one, there's they keep one of the older ones as part of the collector's collection in Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. But uh, the newer ones, they're scary, especially when you're riding down that at night. That's w- that might be the best to ride at night. Yeah. And you can look over uh, Fantasyland, see the lights everywhere. You can see the lights of the Space Mountain area. You see everything. And you can look at the stars. You could get a glimpse of the fireworks. It's a great view. It's cold air in your face. And um, it makes the indoor um, kind of parts of the ride even better because you don't really see what's coming next. Yeah, and it's it's one of those rides that really can differ from experience to experience because there's so there's six seats between the two the two bobsleds that are uh, joined together on each ride, uh, and just just from the 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 age of the ride, uh, it can, some 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 rides down the mountain can be very rickety, some not so much. Uh, it's my favorite ride to be in the front row because you just you get such a great view of what's to come, and especially so the Tomorrowland side is the longer one. No. Uh, yeah, the Tomorrowland one is longer. Um, Fantasyland has uh, a bit more of the sharp drops, which really, the, even in the front row, when you can see they're coming, some of them really still just, you're going, and all of a sudden you see there's no real, the rail isn't as uh, easy to see anymore, and boop, down you go. Fast, it's, it's just really fast, and yeah, I mean, you can see why it breaks down all the time, because it's, um, those 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 bobsleds sure are rickety, Um it is kind of fun sometimes to be in uh, on the car when they have to swap out the bobsled and they have this sort of turntable style thing down there. I imagine it's one of the harder rides to be an operator for, but uh, it's just a lot of fun. It takes you to the top. You get to see the uh, wreckage of the bobsled right at the top. <laughs> Hope that that doesn't happen to you. Yeah, 
the amount of times it breaks down and the amount of times we ride it per trip, yeah, you, know, you gotta wonder like what when is uh what drop's gonna be the drop that uh, does yin, but mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's died on it, thankfully. Not to my knowledge. Um the fifth and the sixth seats tend to be the bumpiest of them. Yeah, you get the tail end, you get jerked around a lot. Yeah, there have been times I think right around the time that they were renovating it a couple of years ago. I was probably in the fifth or sixth row, and my knees were just like, Wah! yeah. There's there's not much leg room in it, and add that to the amount of curves, very very sharp curves that it has. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a great ride. It's uh, can the lines can get very long, but uh, we almost always fast pass it. But um, I like the uh, what's fun about when you're when it's just Tara and I, and you're going through the uh the queues that have the roof over them with only two people the operators often call for a ride of two because si- queuing up six at a time can be a bit awkward and uh often that line gets cut in two which is certainly nice but even if it's not it's it's not a bad line it's a really great ride and um gives you uh about two minutes of uh fast-paced thrills that's really when I think of like the best thrill ride in in Disneyland, obviously space is close, but space is in the dark, and and it doesn't it, it doesn't really do free fall at all. Not like the Matterhorn that also manages to incorporate the twists and the turns and the fast drops, and uh, really great views. Also, you get a you get great view of uh, Fantasyland or Tomorrowland, depending on what side you're on. You get to look out. The ride really has it all, and. Um, yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. It's it's yet another reason why Disneyland is better than Magic Kingdom. There's no Matterhorn Mountain there. They do have the um, uh, Mission Everest in Animal Kingdom, which is a great ride, but uh, it's still Matterhorn's got to have points for uh, longevity. Certainly, it's a great ride. Yeah, they also use it as well. The old fireworks show that used to feature Tinkerbell. One of the points where she would kind of fly out from, I think, was the top of Matterhorn Mountain. Um, so, like, it is iconic in Disneyland's, like, you've got the imagery of Disneyland, any painted picture of it, the map, everything features the Matterhorn Mountain very prominently. They can never take it away. Also, because it has the basketball court inside it. So, there's there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. I, uh, Tara can get very sick of how many times I like riding the Matterhorn uh, it the, the 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 times that my legs get banged up, they can only take so much. But uh, that's certainly um, it's 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 a really the ride has it all: history, speed, scenery, scary as hell, abominable snowman. You like to it's nice to be scared on a Disney ride. See Mickey battling a Matterhorn. That be that make for a good movie. Interesting. Like a Game of Thrones style parody. Ice zombie, you've got Ice Matterhorn. Anyway. The bright red eyes. Really, uh, they're scary as hell at night. But uh, it's certainly, it's one you should ride in the day, and then one you should definitely ride at night as well. And, uh, well, that was number two on our list. And if you've been following along for all of these hours that, uh, We've been talking about all of these rides. I just wanted to thank you for sticking with us 
You probably by now, I don't know if you've uh, had a little uh, check sheet of all the rides, but you've probably guessed what the number one is. It takes us back to a place called Critter Country, to a wonderful place called The Laughing Place. I am, of course, talking about everyone's favorite briar patch, Splash Mountain, which is really the perfect blend. It's a, it's a very deserving ride of the number one slot because it, it blends the two things that Disneyland does well together. It's a great dark ride, and it's a great thrill ride. And the fact that it's such a great dark ride makes you uh, is even more impressive by the fact that 99% of the people who go into Disneyland have never seen the source material. Because you cannot get a copy of Song of the South on Blu-ray, or 4K, or even DVD, or even in America on VHS. It's um, one of the banished films, and yet, even though it was banished in... 1988, they built the ride as... There is no reason in the late 80s they needed to build something that was as faithful to the the cartoon segments of Song of the South as they did. And yet, all the shorts, which are... um, The objectionable parts of Song of the South are more in the live action than the cartoon, but with with, um, Splash Mountain, you go through the... Uh, Laughing Place and Br'er Rabbit's um, Briar Patch. It also, for uh, Disneyland, uh, fans of Disneyland history, there was this horrible attraction in Tomorrowland called America Sings that had these uh, singing birds that nobody really cared about. Uh, it closed because it was terrible, but they took those birds and they put them in for Pretty Good Sure As You're Born in the beginning, which, well... Not exactly. Uh, Splash Mountain is also a really long ride that uh, has a long uh, outdoor part before you even go inside, and then inside is also quite long because you go through a bunch of different songs, and it has three distinct drops, which, depending on where you're sitting, uh, will either get you soaked or you may uh, you may survive. But um, the beginning of the ride lately was um, interesting to us because there's this churro, this churro that... Rare churro. Rare churro that I tweeted about it a couple times. It's so gross, I almost didn't want to tweet about it. It actually was still there by the time there was a churro on the outside of Splash Mountain that stayed there for weeks, even after months. It, months, it was months, months, and despite it, multiple like bouts of rain over Disneyland, and we even saw birds at times near the churro, and they didn't eat it. Nope. And it does make you question whether you would want to eat a churro, given that. I mean, if you ever had French fries at the beach, the seagulls are swarming all over it. I don't know about you. I'm kind of skeptical of food that not even that a, a wild animal doesn't want anything to do with. <laughs> but um, like, yeah, imagine the Dole Whip they'd want, but the churro was out there. I mean, it was basically a rock probably after the second day. Petrified churro. Yep. There was half of it had gone missing by the end, but um, I stopped taking pictures. It was disgusting. Yeah, but, it was. It was turning colors. But um, I'm so glad that that's forever, forever ingrained in our podcast. I didn't mention that in the written article. I had another reason to, to stick with us. But from the external of Splash Mountain, uh, you get a long time going up up through things. Uh, there's an introduction voice that sounds a lot like whoever the guy who voices Goofy. Uh, it's fun to be out, out outside in those log flumes. 
and it, it's, it's also just fascinating that, uh, you know, Disneyland doesn't try to have a lot of rides that you could find just about anywhere else. And the log flume in terms of theme park rides is a pretty traditional ride. And yet they take the log flume and they take the concept just about as far as you could go because they fully integrate it into a movie nobody's seen, but it's very faithful. And it's got all sorts of people. you got Br'er in the beginning, there's Br'er Fox, Br'er Bear, who's, they're playing some kind of rope game, maybe practicing some kind of uh, BDSM. Mm. No, Tara doesn't think so. No, but this is a children's ride. Sort of. <laughs> no children's ever seen it. Br'er, Br'er Rabbit's a great character. I would love Br'er Rabbit to make an appearance in something else. He's, uh, he's very fun. He's an adorable bear. <laughs> he's an adorable rabbit. He, uh, He's always up to no good. He loves. He's born and bred in a briar patch. Said Brer Rabbit. Said he. And he's just singing, having a great time. And then they go, and uh, the laughing place with the bees is great. And then things start to go sour when Brer Fox gets put up, gets tired of his crap. And then, in a part that sets Splash Mountain apart from uh, the Florida part, there's a Burroughs Lament, which is a very uh, eerie song that's sung that by. That is rough. It's very sad. It is, and it's sung by a hedgehog and a rabbit. And um, you go straight. You go from the laughing place to that. And uh, there's very... Um, you Really, the ride wants to make you feel a lot of things. You've got... Oh, the other, uh, the other fun thing in the beginning is uh, you've got this de- uh, alligator with a deep baritone voice. So actually, they'd been working on the animatronic of the alligator the last couple times he wasn't there, which was weird, because you could just got the singing voice, and there's nobody there. But, uh, Laughing Place is, uh, fun, even though Br'er Br'er isn't really laughing. The Burrows Lament. And then you go up, and you got a Br'er Rabbit who's been tied up, because Br'er Fox is really good at rope play after, uh-huh. after Br'er Br'er. And then you go down, and you go straight into the Briar Patch. Really making it uh, just like just like the just like the cartoon, and then they sing the most iconic song from Song of the South, which would be Zippity Doodah, Zippity Doodah, and they've got that great boat there. And what's also fun about that part is the train goes near it, so you can. Uh, it's only happened a couple of times where we've actually timed it perfectly with the train going by, but you get a chance to wave at the people. The birds are singing, and uh, well. There's a bird there from the America Sings, and there's also a single bird from America Sings in the Laughing Place. And you're probably like, who the hell cares about America Sings? Nobody cared, but for our our purposes, well, it would have been nice if they'd included some of the country bears in there, put them in at the end. Oh, that'd be nice. You got Br'er Raccoon at the end also. Like, at Disney, please do this. Yeah, if you're listening from Disneyland and you haven't been turned off by the S&M jokes, you can uh, certainly put in the... Uh, yeah, put them in. They're, they've got to be uh, not doing anything. They're certainly not welcome in the hundred... I think I, they're having a tea party somewhere in storage. With the Mad Hatter? Maybe. But um, it's really... I mean, it's hard to think, like, if you're trying to form a consent... Obviously, anyone trying to make a list of the best rides, if you listening... Make your own list. It's going to look different from this. That's not... And I'm not trying to say that my list is the best. I tried to make something that looked objectively fair. And you could say, oh, well, if Mr. Toad's getting its own podcast, obviously there's some sort of bias there. But um, 
Maybe, but but Splash Mountain really does hit hit all of the notes in terms of the things that Disneyland does super well. It takes obscure things, it recreates them sometimes faithfully, sometimes idiosyncratically, and uh, packs a lot of thrills in the process. And it's just it's just a great experience. I love Splash Mountain. I love doing Splash Mountain at night. Tara hates doing Splash Mountain at night. I prefer not to be soaked for the rest of the night. Well, you know, sometimes we suffer for the briar, briar patches that we love. but um, I will suffer during the day when I can still dry. It, um, there's nothing better than a ride that leaves you feeling super great that you've ridden it. And between Zippity-Doo-Dah and uh, the end of Pooh, Critter Country is just like a nonstop endorphin rush. And they've got that, if endorphin rush isn't enough, they've got that bakery inside Pooh Corner that's got oh, some good, great treats. It's got some great treats. You get a sugar rush too. I I, I love, I, I, I think that if you're trying to build a consensus opinion on what the best ride at Disneyland is, Splash Mountain is really the only one you could, it's the most logical choice. It's definitely not Davy Crockett's Explorer Canoes. It's definitely not um, Gadget's Go Coaster. It's something that's thrilling and also just... Super cute. Yeah, super cute. And uh, I, I like how the log flume goes through the dark ride at a pace that does kind of... It gives you enough time to look at everything. Um, and yet, it's a ride that you're going to want to ride again and again and again and again because... There's never enough time to go sailing down into the Briar Patch. It's a beautiful ride, desert, well-deserving of its place at number one. Thrills, nostalgia, songs. It's, it's, got everything, it's got everything a person could hope to have at the happiest place on Earth. And the happiest podcast on Earth, sadly, after many hours recording this uh, extensive, elaborate list we are unfortunately we're at the end and uh as as many adventures the winnie the pooch said you know can we just go back to the beginning well you, you certainly can you can just uh cut me off and go straight back to the beginning if you'd like but for the sake of chronology we are at the end and you've made it you've made it with us if you followed if you've stuck it through this entire journey with us we thank you because um Disneyland is a place deserving of this kind of attention. It's that great. It's that fun. It's that magical. Been there 19 times this year. I could go 19 more, and it wouldn't be enough. These rides, they, they, they don't get old. And yes, the prices are getting more and more ridiculous, but it's hard to put a price tag on the kind of pleasure that Disneyland has. And Thankfully, you don't have to because Disneyland's put its price and it's high. <laughs> but uh, it's we we uh, we hope that this list, uh, the opinions, uh, the justifications behind the rankings have been conveyed. Sometimes, admitting that they weren't one hundred percent perfect at each of the points, but done our best. Had a lot of fun recording this. I hope you've had a lot of fun listening. Tara, do you have uh, closing thoughts on the... How, how do you think I did on the list? Uh, like, obviously I disagree with some of them, but overall, like, uh, it's pretty accurate. Like, you have good rationale. I just disagree with, like, the ones like Autopia and Autopia and Star Tours. You know, those things could all be a bit higher, 
Uh, but like Splash Mountain definitely deserves like in an objective list, it is number one. Uh, it's that great. It is. And for everybody listening, thank you so much for sticking with us. We will do Mr. Toad. We'll do other Disneyland. We've got one on the Dole Whip that we've wanted to do. But um, it's been a long, it's been a long, uh, it's been a long journey. If you've listened to this, uh, it's about half the time that it would take to watch War and Peace, which is uh, something that also deserving of a podcast, maybe years down the road. But um, we're going to go have some fun in the laughing place. We encourage you to do the same. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. (laughs) 